Peace be upon you. There is a saying from the poet Rumi which states, Don't look for water, get thirsty, then the water will come to you. One of the misconceptions about this quote is that people think that this means uh, we get what we desire. But this is not entirely true. What this quote represents is that we obtain what we value. For instance, if I offer a person who is not thirsty water, they'll probably not accept it. And if they do accept it, they probably won't utilize it. They'll just let it uh, hang there. But a thirsty person will not only seek water, but when presented to them, they will happily drink it down. The message presented in the Quran operates in the same manner. Oftentimes when a person first discovers all the phenomenal aspects of the Quran, we get overwhelmed with joy. Be it the mathematical miracle of the Quran, which authenticates every letter, verse, and surah of the Quran, or the emphasis of the worship of God alone without the associations of powerless idols like Jesus, Muhammad, or the saints, or the abandonment of false hadith and sunnah attributed to the Prophet against his will, or all the numerous scientific miracles inside the Quran, that when we discover these pieces, we assume that when we share this information with others, they'll be just as ecstatic as we are. But naturally, what we discover is that most people don't really care. Most people do not have the same level of interest as we do on these topics. No matter what miracle we present to them, what philosophical angle we show them, it won't resonate with them. This is because while we bring water to someone, we cannot force them to drink unless they are thirsty. Consider the many times you are leaving a grocery store or a library and outside someone comes, superly excited to present to you some cause that they are championing, be it a ballot measure or a humanitarian cause or a wildlife campaign to an endangered animal. They expect you to have that same level of care and interest as they do. But the reality is that most people won't even listen to what they have to say. And even the small minute that will, you know, humor them and listen to their cause might even sign their petition. The second that they get in their car and they're off to their next task, they probably don't remember anything of what was stated. So what separates the person who is waiting outside to evangelize to anyone who will give them a second to listen and the multitude of people who are heedless to what that person has to say? The answer is obvious. The one who is out evangelizing cares enough for the cause to go out and strive, while the others on the receiving end, they don't. This is because we can't make someone care for something they don't value. This is an intrinsic decision that each individual has to make. The decision to value something rests specifically on the person and not anyone else. When it comes to God, it is not reason, cleverness, or even a miracle that will make someone believe, but strictly the fact that God blessed that individual by opening their heart to the message that they're able to believe and they take heed to God's message. In Surah 47, verse 16, we read, Some of them listen to you. Then as soon as they leave, they ask those who are enlightened, What did he just say? God thus seals their hearts and consequently they follow only their opinions. That when we give the message to someone who's not interested, it's only falling on deaf ears. Think of the multitude of miracles that the children of Israel saw. 
yet the majority of them still chose to disbelieve. Think about all the miracles that encompassed in the Quran that are available today that anyone can witness for themselves. Yet despite this, the majority of people are still averse to this glorious book. The majority of people still condemn this book and spread all kinds of horrendous lies towards it. Consider how some of the world leading experts in biology, cosmology, and philosophy, despite all their knowledge, they're still disbelievers. They don't accept the oneness of God. It is as if they are willfully blind to what is right in front of them. And because of this, there's nothing we can do to change their situation and make them believe. It doesn't matter how clever your argument is. It doesn't matter what miracle you present to them. If their hearts are sealed, they are blocked from being able to see the truth. I remember in college, I had a close friend who, after months of talking with him about the message and the miracles of the Quran, uh, he was very frank and he told me, he says, look, everything you said totally makes sense, but I just don't have the motivation to act on this information. And here's someone who saw, for all logical purposes, that what was being specified, these, the, the mathematical structure of the Quran, the scientific miracles of the Quran, the message of the worship of God alone, that this is the divine scripture for us to be able to get salvation in this world and in the hereafter, that despite that, his heart just did not have that flicker to make him care to want to act upon this information. One of the hopes of every believer is that their spouse children, parents, and loved ones all believe and are able to save their souls. But this is a test that we will all have to deal with, that we cannot guide the ones we love. In Surah 28 verse 56, it says, you cannot guide the ones you love. God is the only one who guides in accordance with his will and in accordance with his knowledge of those who deserve the guidance. This is a decision that God makes that he knows the innermost thoughts of each individual. He knows what's in the hearts of every person. And from that, he guides them accordingly. Consider all the prophets and the messengers and the loved ones they had that actively disbelieved and fought against them. Look at the example of Abraham, who God calls a close friend, yet his own father threatened to stone him if he continued the preaching of worshiping of God alone. Or Noah, who during the flood was begging his son to come on board the ark, yet he refused and was left with the wicked. Or Lot, whose wife sided with the abominable acts of the individuals of Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was nothing he could do to change her situation. Or Muhammad and his uncle, who led the campaign against him, seeking to destroy his life. The fact that we're going to have loved ones that are not only going to disbelieve, but potentially go against us and the worship of God alone is an inevitable test. In Surah 46, verse 17, it reads, Then there is the one who says to his parents, Woe to you! Are you telling me that after death I will come back to life? How come those who died before us never come back? The parents would cry for God's help and say, Woe to you! Please believe! God's promise is the truth. He would say tales from the past, 
The reality is that until a person makes an active decision to change, to have God open their hearts and want to believe, then they will be fixed in their ways. And no matter what we say or do or try to convince that person to believe, it's not going to happen. In Surah 13, verse 11, it reads, Shifts of angels take turns, staying with each one of you. They are in front of you and behind you. They stay with you and guard you in accordance with God's commands. Thus, God does not change the condition of any people unless they themselves make the decision to change. If God wills any hardship for any people, no force can stop it, for they have none beside Him as Lord and Master. The only way someone's situation can change, that their heart can be open, is if the person makes an active decision to change. And this is a blessing from God if this takes place. While we are incapable of making someone value God as he should be valued, God is not. But how does God create situations to make people thirsty for God's grace? Consider the food you ate today. How thankful were you to God for the food He provided you? I'm sure you were thankful to some extent, but were you as thankful as you were when you ate after a day of fasting? Or how thankful are you for the air you're currently breathing? I guarantee, until I mentioned it, you probably weren't even aware of it. Yet, if momentarily we lost oxygen, we would truly realize the value God is providing us for every breath we have. God informs us in the Quran that He possesses infinite provisions, and this includes infinite grace. Yet He sends it down in specific measure in order to create artificial scarcity at times so we replenish our appreciation for all the blessings our Lord has provided us. In Surah 6, verse 147, it reads, If they disbelieve you, then say, Your Lord possesses infinite mercy, but His retribution is unavoidable for the guilty people. God is letting us know that His mercy is infinite, but out of His mercy, He allows some people to experience retribution. In Surah 15, verse 21, it reads, There is nothing that we do not own infinite amounts thereof but we send it down in precise measure. God informs us that if He gave people more than they can handle, they would transgress on earth and become unappreciative. And because of this, God creates situations where He removes some of His grace and mercy in order to create scarcity for us to implore God and come back to the path and remember how appreciative we need to be. In Surah 7, verse 94 through 96, it reads, Whenever we sent a prophet to any community, we afflicted its people with adversity and hardship that they may implore. Why would God do this? Why would God afflict people with adversity and hardship? Because by imploring God, their hearts are open and become receptive to the message. It continues in 95, says, Then we substituted peace and prosperity in place of that hardship. But at last they turned heedless and said, It was our parents who experienced that hardship before prosperity. Consequently, we punished them suddenly when they least expected. Had the people of those communities believed and turned righteous, 
we would have showered them with blessings from the heaven and the earth. Since they decided to disbelieve, we punish them for what they earned. Again, God is removing His grace and mercy momentarily to create hardship so people will implore and remember all the blessings that God has provided them. The mistake most of us make is we think that these tests and these hardships that are mentioned in the Quran were limited to the communities of the past. We think that because we have all these amenities, all these blessings, these luxuries, this technology, the, uh, the accessibility, that we are not in the same realm of these individuals who had to face scarcity and insecurity. It continues in 797 through 100. It reads that the people of the present communities guarantee that our retribution will not come to them in the night as they sleep. That the people of today's communities guarantee that our retribution will not come to them in the daytime while they play. Have they taken God's plans for granted? None takes God's plans for granted except the losers. Does it ever occur to those who inherit the earth after previous generations that if we will, we can punish them for their sins and seal their hearts, causing them to turn deaf? God is providing us a warning to not turn unappreciative, not make the same mistakes as the generations mentioned the Quran in the past that became unappreciative of all the blessings that God has given them. In Surah 16, verse 112, it reads, God cites the example of a community that used to be secure and prosperous with provisions coming to it from everywhere. But then it turned unappreciative of God's blessings. Consequently, God caused them to taste the hardships of starvation and insecurity. Such is the requital for what they did. God does this out of His mercy to get people back on the right path. It reads in Surah 32 verse 21, it says, We let them taste the smaller retribution of this world before they incur the greater retribution of the hereafter, that they may take a hint and reform. Who is more evil than one who is reminded of these revelations of his Lord then insists upon disregarding them? We will certainly punish the guilty. God allows the people to experience hardship in order to open their hearts and have them realize just how much we need God. In Surah 57 verse 16 it reads, Is it not time for those who believed to open their hearts for God's message and the truth revealed herein? They should not be like the followers of previous scriptures whose hearts became hardened with time and consequently Many of them turned wicked. God is telling the individuals, us who believe, that we have to open our hearts, that we see the truth. We have to make the decision to believe, to be appreciative. And once we do that, God will bless us abundantly. God tells us in the Quran, in Surah 4, verse 147, it says, What will God gain from punishing you if you became appreciative and believed? God is appreciative, omniscient. God is doing this out of the mercy for us to be able to avoid eternal hell, eternal misery, by allowing us to taste a little bit of insecurity in this world in order for us to become reverent and appreciative and believe.
But despite this, if we choose not to take heed, if we choose to just have it go into one ear and out another, and not turn appreciative for all the blessings God has given us, then we're going to make the same mistakes as the people of the past. In Surah 7, verse 175 through 176, it reads, Recite for them the news of one who has given our proofs but chose to disregard them. Consequently, the devil pursued him until he became a strayer. Had we willed, we could have elevated him therewith, but he insisted on sticking to the ground and pursued his own opinions. Thus he is like the dog. Whether you pet him or scold him, he pants. Such is the example of people who reject our proofs, narrate these narrations that they may reflect. God creates these situations in order to elevate us. But if we don't take heed, if we continue being unappreciative, we continue going down those paths, then we're no different than the dog, that whether he gets scolded or he gets a treat, he continues to pant. It continues in 7, 177 through 179. It reads, Bad indeed is the example of people who reject our proofs. It is only their own souls that they wrong. Whomever God guides is the truly guided one, and whomever he commits to straying, these are the losers. We have committed to hell multitudes of jinns and humans. They have minds with which they do not understand, eyes with which they do not see, and ears with which they do not hear. They are like animals. No, they are far worse. They are totally unaware. It is one of the hardest things to feel so passionately about this message, to have it have such an impact on one's life. Yet when we go to try to share it with other people, to have it fall on deaf ears. But it's not us that they're rejecting. It's the fact that their hearts have not been opened up to be able to receive this message, that they have been locked out, that they have eyes which do not see, ears which do not hear, minds which do not comprehend. God tells us in the Quran in 635, it says, if their rejection gets to be too much for you, you should know that even if you dug a tunnel through the earth or climbed a ladder into the sky and produced a miracle for them, they still would not believe. Had God willed, He could have guided them unanimously. Therefore, do not behave like the ignorant ones. God is telling us this is part of God's system. God put us on this planet. He gave us a family, friends, loved ones. These individuals are here to make a choice, to make a decision. Do they stand with God or not? We are simply here trying our best to make it back into God's kingdom. And as much as we want, these loved ones of ours, to be guided. It is not up to us. And all we can do for them is to pray to God for their guidance, that God allows their hearts to be open and try our best to be a good example. A lot of times we end up getting short with the ones we love. Uh, we become harsh and hostile towards them because they're not receptive to the message. And we have to avoid that tendency. We have to be patient and kind. In Surah 25, verse 63, it reads, The worshippers of the Most Gracious are those who tread the earth gently, and when the ignorant speak to them, they only utter peace. And in Surah 7, verse 198 through 201, it reads, When you invite them to the guidance, they do not hear. And you see them looking at you, but they do not see. 
you shall resort to pardon, advocate tolerance, and disregard the ignorant. God is telling us when we're giving the message, if someone isn't receptive to it, that we have to resort to pardon, to advocate tolerance, and disregard the ignorant. This is a tough task, and that's why in the following verse it reads, When the devil whispers to you any whisper, seek refuge in God. He is here omniscient. Those who are righteous, whenever the devil approaches them with an idea, they remember whereupon they become seers. In Surah 41, verse 33 through 35, we read, Who can utter better words than one who invites to God, works righteousness, and says, I am one of the submitters? Not equal is the good response and the bad response. You shall resort to the nicest possible response. Thus the one who used to be your enemy may become your best friend. None can attain this except those who steadfastly persevere. None can attain this except those who are extremely fortunate. As submitters, we're allowed to stand up for our rights. But if we resort to pardon and patience, then God tells us that this is a true strength of character. It reads in Surah 42, verse 39 through 43, it says, When gross injustice befalls them, they stand up for their rights. Although the just requital for an injustice is an equivalent retribution, those who pardon and maintain righteousness are rewarded by God. He does not love the unjust. Certainly, those who stand up for their rights when injustice befalls them are not committing any error. The wrong ones are those who treat the people unjustly and resort to aggression without provocation. These have incurred a painful retribution. Resorting to patience and forgiveness reflects a true strength of character. If we genuinely love these people we give the message to, then we should try our utmost to resorting to patience and forgiveness and being tolerant as long as they're not physically or verbally attacking us. That maybe one day, if God wills, they will open up their heart to God's message and join us on this uh, path to God's mercy. The fact is we forget that before getting the guidance from God, we were not much different than them. And now that we're blessed with being able to see the truth, it's so easy for us to write off other people and forget that we used to be like them. In Surah 4 verse 94, it reads, O you who believe, if you strike in the cause of God, you shall be absolutely sure. Do not say to one who offers you peace, you are not a believer seeking the spoils of this world, for God possesses infinite spoils. Remember that you used to be like them, and God blessed you. Therefore, you shall be absolutely sure before you strike. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. God allows every single one of us to go from stage to stage. Perhaps it's just not the time for certain individuals to believe, and we have to be patient. We can't just simply write them off because their heart isn't open at the time. That perhaps they'll have an event that occurs in their life that is going to make them take heed and be that impact that's necessary in order for them to be able to see the light. A couple years ago, during summer, we were at the beach, and it was such a beautiful, perfect day. 
there wasn't a single cloud in the sky. But as the day progressed, you could see out in the distance at the horizon, there were flashes and dark clouds. At the beginning, it seemed so far away that it didn't, it seemed like, you know, uh, were you uh, imagining it? Was it real? But as the clouds started moving closer, you could see the lightning strike right before your eyes to the point that it was right at the edge of the, 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 the beach where the people were sitting. And when the lightning hit, immediately the thunder roared so loud. You saw everyone all of a sudden become so reverent, running from the water, huddling, not sure what's going to happen next, thinking at any moment someone could get struck by lightning. And before we knew it, the biggest drops of ice-cold water were pouring on top of everyone's head and everyone was running for shelter. At that moment, when the lightning was crashing down from such a perfect, beautiful day to all of a sudden people being fearful for their lives, I guarantee everyone was praying to God in order to be able to not get struck by lightning. But what was fascinating was, an hour later, you come back to the beach, you wouldn't even know that such an event took place. Everyone went back to their normal ways, playing in the water, being happy, being cheerful, completely oblivious of how desperate they seemed just moments ago. In Surah 13, verse 12 through uh, 14, it reads, He is the one who shows you the lightning as a source of fear as well as hope. And he initiates the loaded clouds, the thunder praises his glory, and so do the angels, out of reverence for him. He sends the lightning bolts, which strike in accordance with his will. Yet they argue about God, though his power is awesome. Imploring him is the only legitimate supplication, while the idols they implore beside him cannot ever respond. Thus they are like those who stretch their hands to the water, but nothing reaches their mouths. The supplications of the disbelievers are in vain. The purpose of this life, of going through hardship, going through adversity, is for us to get thirsty for God's grace. Because we used to be in paradise and we had everything, but we became unappreciative when we broke God's commands. And therefore, we have to come back into this world to be re-educated, to become appreciative and realize what a blessing it was to be in God's presence. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. And if you guys like the podcast, please leave us a review or a comment. And until next time, peace and God bless.